0: Um, we're continuing our series called Well with God. We're going through some different areas of our lives and we're giving you like one to two things to do in those areas of our lives that you can, you know, that are scriptural. Things that God teaches us that will actually make a difference in your life. Simple things that you can do. Fairly easy things that if you will just tweak your life. You know, most of the big problems in your life really don't take a lot of effort and a lot of huge changes. Most of the times, most of the time we can just tweak one little thing and we'll find that everything begins to fall into place. And so those are the kinds of things that I'm talking about in this series. And so today I'm going to talk with you about this, build your life support. Build your life support. And this is just a little bit of a tweak. Be a little bit more friendly. (laughs) Be a little bit more involved. Be a little bit more in in encouraging other people and, and involved in what's going on in other people's lives. One of the most destructive things you can do in your life is to go it alone. To do life alone. To try to accomplish something alone. You know, inside of us, our flesh... This is not a God given thing in you. Our flesh, your flesh, wants to be autonomous. Your flesh wants to be self secure. It wants to be self sufficient. It wants to be self made. It wants to be self contained, self reliant, self supporting, self financing. Your flesh wants to just be independent from needing anybody. That is your flesh. But your God-given spirit inside is crying out for relationship. It's crying out to be connected with people. And here's what you need. You need people who are for you. You need people that want to believe in you. You need people who will be there for you when the chips fall, right? You need people who feel close to you. You need people who like you because they choose to like you. You need people who aren't threatened by you. And you need people who feel obligated to fight with and for you. You need people who will have your back when you're not even around, you need people who will fight for your purpose in life to be accomplished. You need people that you can turn to, that you can share your life with, that people that will pray for you, people that as they're driving down the road will suddenly think of you throughout the week and they'll breathe a prayer for you and you'll never know it. You need that in your life. You need to build your own life support. And that's what it is. This week I took a couple of calls from two different guys. It was almost like I was talking to the same guy just twice in different voice and lived in different places in the United States. It's pretty interesting. They're down on their luck, and both of them had basically this same story of getting hurt and not being able to work. They needed They needed utilities, and they needed this month's rent, or they were going to be homeless, all of that. And I began to listen to their situation and try to process, all right, is this something that we should help? Is this something we can help? Is this something that will help? Because sometimes you can help somebody and really actually hurt them. So I began to ask the question, where's your family? Well, they're here, they're there. Okay. Have you talked to them? Can you go here or there? Will they let you come be with them? No, 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 no. All was a no. I have. They've searched every corner of the earth, and this is. I am their only possibility for help right now. Can you go there? Why not? Do you have friends? Can you go there? Why not? Why don't you have a church family? Well, I'm too busy, I'm too this, I'm too that. You don't have a church family, you don't have any friends anymore, you don't have anybody in your history that you can call, you've been living all this life and you have nobody that you can call, you have no parents that will let you come for a a couple of months that trust you enough to do that. And here's what's interesting in both cases, these guys thought, they told me that that a friend had given them, them my phone number, my information. A friend had given them my information, my business card, or whatever it was that they gave them. And and I'm thinking, okay, if a friend gave you that, here's how it went down. That friend was like, oh, wait a second. I've got this in my wallet. Here's a card. Call this guy. He might be able to help you. Instead of the friend helping them, what does that tell you? The friend has been burned. The friend doesn't trust them. This isn't going to work. Um, You know, and the truth of the matter is, if I did pay their rent, it's only for four weeks. If we did light up their house or whatever it is that they're afraid they're going to lose, it's only going to be for four weeks. They need long-term solutions, and I'm not going to use God's money to help them stay in that situation for just another four weeks. They need to find some long-term help. They need to start moving in a life that, that has life support for them. Does that make sense? The question is, is there anyone on this planet that you have not used and abused? That's the question. So let me ask you guys this question. Who calls you their friend? Who knows that you've got their back? Who knows that you'll be there for them no matter what? Who knows that you are for them? Who knows that you choose to believe good things about them? Who knows that? Who knows that you will be there for them if the chips fall? Who knows that you're close to them, that you're a good friend? Who knows that you like them? Not because they're good enough, smart enough, or whatever, but because you chose to like them. Who knows that? Who knows that you don't want to be a burden to them, but you want to be a blessing to them? Who knows that about you? Who trusts you? Who believes in that? Who knows that you would fight for them if, you, if they were attacked? Who knows that? Who's that person in your life or those people in your life that know that you're going to be there for them through the thick and the thin? Who in this world knows that you want them to succeed at fulfilling God's purpose and plan for their lives? Who knows that you're willing to help them and even make some sacrifices yourself to see that come to pass? Who knows that? The people around you need to know that, you can, that they can turn to you. The people in your life need to know that you're that friend. They need to know that they can share their life with you. And they need to know that you pray for them. That you think about them as you're going down the road throughout the week. And that you'll breathe a word of prayer for them. You need people in your life that know that that is you for them. You need to build a life support system around you. Jesus talked about this. Let me read, read one of his, his uh, parables. He said, a rich man once had a manager to take care of his business, but he was told that this manager was wasting money, all right? So when Jesus is talking about stuff like this, when he's telling stories like this, he's teaching us how God thinks. So in this case, the rich man would be God. And he's teaching us how God thinks about things like this. He says, this this manager, the rich man had a manager that was wasting his money. What does that mean? He he had some personal expenses going into the business, coming out of the business account. And he says, so the rich man called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Tell me, what have you done? Then he says, you're no longer going to work for me. He's going to fire him. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? The master's going to fire me. I can't dig ditches, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that the people will welcome me into their homes after I've lost my job. Then one by one, he called in the people who were in debt to the master. He asked for the first one, how much do you owe the master? Well, I owe 100 barrels of oil. Take your bill and sit down, quickly write 50. Cut his bill in half. The manager asks somebody else, how much do you owe? A thousand sacks of wheat. We'll take your bill and write only 800. The master, this is so interesting, Jesus teaching us how God thinks, says the master, the rich man, praised his dishonest manager for looking out for himself so well. Isn't that interesting? You would have thought the master would have been like, What are you doing? This is my money. Why are you cutting their bills in half or in in two-thirds? Why? This is my money. The master was like, that's impressive. Look what you did. You're looking out for yourself. What a smart thing to do. And Jesus then goes on to say, that's how it is. The people of this world look out for themselves better than the people who belong to the light. Wow, that's powerful. My disciples, I tell you to use wicked wealth, I love that, Use wicked wealth to make friends for yourselves. Then when it, is, when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into an eternal home. Anyone who can be trusted in little matters can also be trusted in important matters. But anyone who is dishonest in little matters will be dishonest in important matters. If you cannot be trusted with this wicked wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? And if you cannot be trusted with what belongs to someone, who will give you something that will be your own? You cannot be a slave of two masters. You will like one more than the other, or you'll be loyal to one more than the other. You cannot serve God in money. So what are the things Jesus taught here? Number one, he taught that you take care of others by taking care of yourself. That's one of the ways that you can take care of others. You take care of yourself. That's what Jesus said here. The people of this world look for themselves, out for themselves better than the people in the light. He says, you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to look out for yourself. You've got to pay attention to what you're doing in your life to make sure that you're taken care of and provided for. Secondly, Jesus taught you to use your resources to make make friends for yourself. He said, my disciples, I tell you to use wicked wealth to make friends for yourselves. That's interesting, isn't it? He's saying to buy your friends? No. He's saying... Use your friends to invest in them. Use what you have that is. Use your resources to invest in your friends. Make friends. Get people to trust you and to love you and build a support system around you. Number three, Jesus taught that the key to having life support is to be trusted. He said anyone who can be trusted in little matters can also be trusted in important matters. But anyone who is dishonest in little matters will be dishonest in important matters. If you cannot be trusted with this wicked wealth, Who will trust you with true wealth? And if you cannot be trusted with what belongs to someone else, who will give you something to be your own? Isn't that so interesting how Jesus taught us to build a support life around us? Take care of yourself. Provide for yourself. But then use what you've got to provide for others. Last weekend, our good friend Chad, and he's watching online this morning. Hey, Chad. Everybody say, Chad. He broke his ankle horribly, all right? The two bones that go down into the ankle area, he stepped over a fence, and it was two feet deeper than he thought it would be on the other side, rolled that thing, and yeah, all of you are visualizing this. It's awful. So I asked him if I could share this with you today, because it's such a great story, and although he doesn't know the extent to which I'm going to share, I'm going to brag about him a bit, all right? So ears open, Chad. (laughs) Chad has chosen to be a good friend. How many of you found Chad to be a good friend? Everybody that knows you, Chad, is raising their hands. But he's not just a good friend. He's a good employee. He shows up. He's there. He's got a responsible life. And when I first met Chad, he was in, a, in the time of rebuilding his life, trying to. And, and he was showing up to work every day, riding a bike to work, whether it was cold or hot. Chad was going to be there on time, and he had ridden a bike to work. And then one day, someone ditched their car because it was messed up more than they could, they could fix it or something, and Chad bought it from them for a good price, and he was able to fix it himself, and he had a car. And you see, you just incrementally get your life put back together, right? You see, Chad is faithful in the small things. Chad shows up for church every time he possibly can. But beyond that, Chad lives in Flower Mound and he'll drive past the church, go pick people up that need a ride to church and then bring them back to church and then take them back home and then go back home to Flower Mound. That's faithfulness. Suddenly, he's found himself unable to work. And here's the cool thing. Chad prepared for this moment by doing a very simple thing he signed up for short-term health care isn't that great? or disability I'm sorry short-term disability so his bills are going to be taken care of not a, you know it's not 100% but i mean his bills are taken care of 100% isn't that awesome yeah. pretty cool and uh, you know that's something i haven't even done yet so i'm preaching to the choir here Or pre- not preaching yeah i don't know what i'm saying What happened this week is so, it was so painful for him and difficult. You can imagine how painful that was. It was tragic, but it's so beautiful. You see, he doesn't have any blood family here, but he has family. And it's not just our church family. It's the community that he lives in. His boss shows up. His co-workers show up. The church family reaches out to him and we're able to help him with what we can to provide and make sure that he's got stuff to eat. Life support. Why? Because Chad took time to build life support. You see, when he signed up for short-term disability, he thought he was just thinking of him, but he was also thinking of us not having to take care of him when this happened at that level. Are you following me? And when he gave rides to church and showed up to work on time and he volunteers and he greets you as you walk in the door, he showed himself to be a faithful and true friend. He's gracious to others when they fail. I've seen this, and I've heard his words of encouragement to each of you. When you have a conversation, he's always looking for a way to twist whatever's going on in your life to something good. It's a wonderful, beautiful relationship. And he's shown love, and he's encouraged others. And all the while, what he was doing, he had no idea, was building life support for himself. One day, Jesus was teaching in a house, and the Scripture says that there were a bunch of religious leaders, religious people, teachers of the law that were there in the house with him. But it also says, and this is really cool, that healing was in the house too. And they could just feel it. And there was a man that was paralyzed from the waist down. He was a paraplegic. And and his friends decided that they wanted to take him to see Jesus. And if we could just get him to Jesus, then he would be able to get healed. But they couldn't get him through the crowd. The crowd was so tight. So they looked up. And they realized, well, if we go up on the roof, we can take some of the tiles off and we can drop him down right there in front of Jesus like a spider. And so they did that. His friends did that. And it's absolutely amazing. You know, you you understand that it was... Jesus said that it was the faith of the friends that healed him. He said, and when he saw their faith, he didn't see the faith of the man that was lowered before him. He saw the faith of the friends, and look what he said first. He said, my friend, your sins are forgiven. And then he healed the man. He said, pick up your mat and walk. Take it out of here. You go. And can you imagine what that looked like? Now, you have to ask yourself the question, why would these friends do this? And more than that, what kind of friend must this guy who was paraplegic that had inabilities with his legs, all of that mess going on in his life, what kind of friend must he have been to have friends that would do that for him? He had to have been a good friend. These people were his life support. And without knowing anything else about this man, here's what we do know. He took care of others by taking care of himself even though he was a paraplegic. He took care of others by taking care of himself, even though he had such a handicap. And secondly, he used whatever resources he did to have, that he did have to make friends. That's what Jesus taught. Use your resources to make friends. He didn't buy them. He just used them to help them to know that he's in this with them. And third, he was trusted. He was trusted. The people who went to all this effort to drop him through the the roof of this house, they went to all of that effort to lower him through this roof. They knew that they would never regret doing that. They knew that their friend would get up and he would do something positive with his life. He would get up and he would go out into the world and use his legs and use his new mobility to do something good with his life. That he wouldn't go and waste his life on gambling, that he wouldn't waste his life in the bars, that he wouldn't waste his life chasing after women, that he would, that, that he would use his legs to do something good, not running from houses that he had just robbed, that he would use his legs for good in this life. He wouldn't kill somebody because he was riding his camel drunk through the streets. He was going to be a good person to set free from this situation. His friends believed that. They trusted him for that. And although he was paralyzed, even though life had happened to him, and he was a victim somehow of some sort of bad circumstance. For years this guy couldn't walk and for years he needed help getting around. But somehow he still invested in relationships to the extent that these people were the ones who took him and it was their faith that rescued him and healed him inside and out. What a great story. Somehow even though he depended on these people to get him wherever he needed to go, everywhere he needed to go, somehow he made it worth their while. They knew he appreciated them. Somehow they knew that. They knew he wasn't using them. He took care of himself as much as possible. Otherwise, they would have had to build walls and say, I'm sorry, man. It's just too much for me. He built his own life support. Remember Lazarus? Lazarus is known for what? Being raised from the dead by Jesus. Who asked Jesus to come and heal Lazarus before he died? His sisters. His friends, his family, they wanted this man to live. Now think about that. What does that tell you about Lazarus, what kind of person he was? He made their lives better. How do we know that? Because when someone dies who doesn't make life better for everybody else, people are like, they're not going to say it, but inside they're going, good riddance, right? Orthodox tradition has held that Lazarus went, to live, went on to live another 30 years after Jesus raised him from the dead. And the story that, that their tradition has is that at one point he had to flee from Judea because of his relationship with Christ. And it's said that the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, if you read throughout the New Testament, you'll find those guys. The Apostle Paul and Barnabas actually appointed him to be the first bishop in a place modern-day Larnaca. And in A.D. 890, a tomb was found in Larnaca, in that area. A tomb was found bearing the inscription, Lazarus, the friend of Christ. And where that tomb is, they also built this church. And this church is still there to this day. And in November 1972, during renovations of this church... They went ahead and they opened the marble sarcophagus and they found inside there the bones of the person who laid there. How would you like to be the one to get to see the bones of Lazarus? Wouldn't that have been awesome? Lazarus lived an honorable life. We know that because when he died, people wanted him to be back. He was a good friend. He was a good brother. He made life better for other people. And because of that, Jesus came and raised him from the dead. That's awesome. What a great life support. And look what Jesus said. My disciples, and this is beautiful because you need to know Lazarus got to go to heaven. And Jesus said, My disciples, I tell you, use wicked wealth to make friends for yourselves. Then when it is gone, you will be welcomed into an eternal home. It's awesome. James David, would you come? So I want to conclude today with some scriptures just to encourage you. Grab on to something here that just stands out to you. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Have you shown his people love? Have you helped his people? God doesn't forget it. And look what it says. It's a justice thing. That means God has to repay you. Oh, I don't need to be repaid. I don't know about you, but that makes me encouraged. Yeah, I don't want to do it out of a heart of, well, God's going to owe me for this. I don't want that heart. But it sure is good to know, isn't it? He's just. He won't forget your work. He won't forget your love. He won't forget what you did for your church family, the people in your community and around you. Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. Proverbs nineteen seventeen. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Galatians 6, 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. Who knows that you will help them carry their burden? Who knows that? Well, John, I need someone to help me carry my burden. It's time to give that one over to the Lord, and you carry someone else's. Hebrews 13, 16, And do not forget to do good and to share, others, or share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. John 15, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Matthew 5:16 In the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Proverbs 3:27 Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to act. When you've got it right here right now, don't withhold it. Philippians 2, do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the, other, the interest of others. Matthew 25, they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger needing, or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And Jesus goes on to say, Whatever you do for the least of these, you've done it for me. If you give a cup of water in my name, you've done it for me. And I will repay you. you got to trust Him. you got to trust Him. You see, God has built trust with us. And it's our opportunity to build trust with others. James chapter 2, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no needs, can such faith save them? I'm sorry, no deeds. Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and feel well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Proverbs 11, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Oh, come on. That's huge. That's huge. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You need refreshing today? Proverbs 22, the generous will themselves be blessed. Luke 6, do to others as you would have them do to you. Jesus said that. Galatians 6, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Isaiah 1, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Ephesians, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What does that mean? When he put you on this planet, he prepared good works for you to do things for you to accomplish in other people's lives. Romans chapter 12 be devoted to one another honor one another above yourselves. Man there's so many good things that you can do to build your life support do you have life support today? Build it be a good friend to God and to each other take care of yourself Work on yourself. Build your life. Don't take it for granted. Build your life. Build your friendships. Well, John, I'm just alone. No, build your friendships. Take someone to lunch. Build your friendships. Buy them a little gift. Pay attention to what they like and don't like. Accommodate for people in your life. Build your life support. Be a good friend. And here's what you need to know. One day you may need a friend. One day you may need to cash in on that. Would you bow your heads? And here's what Jesus said He said, I'm the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is a good friend to you and one day he's counting on you being there for him you to be his friend but your life has to be strong your life has to be healthy to the best of your ability and this is one of those little decisions that you can make God I want to be a friend I want to take care of others as best as I can and I want to take care of me so they don't have to maybe you're here today and you need Christ in your life I'm not going to embarrass you I promise you right where you're seated you just need to talk to him you just need to say Jesus I want to get to know who you are and what you like and what you don't like and I invite you to come into my life and I want to have that relationship with you I want to be your friend I want to start that today and from this day on I want to live my life learning who you are accepting you more and more in my life. If that's you, just pray that right now. God, I want to know you. I want to have that relationship with you. In Jesus' name, I thank you for your forgiveness for my sin. Thank you for the sacrifice you made on the cross for me. And I come to you and want that relationship with you today. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. And with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if You made that decision. I just want to give you an opportunity to say, yeah, John, that was me today. I accepted Christ into my life today. I want to get to know who he is. If that's you, right where you're seated, I just want you to look up at me until my eyes catch yours. All right? Amen. Amen. It's a new beginning. Amen. It's a new beginning. Amen. Anybody else? Thank you so much, Father. Thank you, Father. New life in Christ. We give you praise. Amen.